Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the 483rd episode of the Hollywood Reporters Awards Chatter Podcast. I'm the host, Scott Feinberg, and my guest today is a brilliant British playwright and filmmaker. Indeed, he is one of only a small handful of people who have ever operated at the very top of both the theater world and the film world simultaneously. And at only 52, he's just getting started. Martin McDonough. For the plays that McDonough has been writing since he was in his mid-20s, including 1996's The Beauty Queen of Linan and The Cripple of Inishman, 1997's The Lonesome West, 2001's The Lieutenant of Inishmore, 2010's A Behanding in Spokane, and 2015's Hangmen, he has won three Olivier Awards and been nominated for five Tony Awards. Meanwhile, he has both written and directed five films, the 2004 short Six Shooter and four features, 2008's In Bruges, 2012's Seven Psychopaths, 2017's Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, and most recently, 2022's The Banshees of Inisherin, which tells the story of two men on an island off the coast of Ireland, played by Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, whose close friendship is suddenly ended by one of them. McDonough's films have brought him four Golden Globe Awards, four BAFTA Awards, and one Academy Award, Best Live Action Short for Six Shooter, and he has also received six other Oscar nominations, Best Original Screenplay for In Bruges, Three Billboards, and Banshees, Best Picture for Three Billboards and Banshees, and Best Director for Banshees. All three of McDonough's noms for Banshees, plus six others for the film, are still pending. McDonough and I sat down in late February in front of an audience at Santa Barbara's historic Arlington Theater as part of the Santa Barbara International Film Festival's celebration of him as one of this year's recipients of its Outstanding Director of the Year Award. Let's go now to my conversation with him there. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Oh, you get the fancy couch. I see. <laughs> I saw all this backstage. <laughs> well, I want to begin by talking about Ireland because I think it's a common misconception that you are Irish when in fact... Well, well, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's complicated. Okay, please. Um, well, I was born in London, but my mum and dad came over from Ireland um, in the 60s and had me and my brother there. And uh, so we were always going back and forth to the west coast of Ireland as kids. Um, our grandparents on my mum's side were still alive, uh, were still alive then. So, so I've always been sort of in between both places. I'd say I'm London Irish more than anything else, but I've only got an Irish passport. Oh, well, Very handy these days after <laughs> Brexit. What is it, is there something that has made you so often in your work on stage and screen come back to not only even just Ireland as a setting for your for your productions, but also 
particularly uh, a series of islands off the coast. Let me just mention a few of these names. We have Inishman, which I, I, we have Inishmore, and now we have Inisharan, which was originally going to be, or there was a third, was it Inishir? Inishir, yep. Okay. Very good. Tell me, tell me where, you know, that particular, you know, the focus on that particular part of Ireland comes from. Um, well, uh, the, when I was six or seven years old, we visited uh, Inishmore, the largest of the Aran Islands, um, as kids, because that's just across the bay from Galway, um, very beautiful county and uh, city. Um, and my dad's from, from there, from the Gaelic-speaking area there. Um, so that was his first language, weirdly. Um, and I think it's the most beautiful part of Ireland, the whole West Coast. My mom's from further up the West in Sligo, and that's where we used to go as kids much more often. But um, but there was something, even as, 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 as a youngster, it just felt, especially coming from London, where I grew up, just, just you know, so you're in the middle of a of a city, uh, you know, concrete and steel and all, all that kind of stuff. And then going to this serene, beautiful, maybe serene might be the wrong word, um, <laughs> but beautiful, um, uh, cinematic, wild place, I guess must have had some, some kind of impact, um, definitely visually. And I think I've, I've retained that. And I always kind of wanted to go back to that uh, in a film at some point. Um, but in, in terms of storytelling, the first plays I wrote were, the first plays where I felt free as a writer were all Irish. I'd been trying stuff that was sort of American set or British London set, um, and was sort of hemmed in by my heroes in those fields like Pinter or Mamet at the time. Um, but when I was writing plays, I think I combined those guys a little bit with some kind of wild Irish uh, fucked up shit. Um, <laughs> and um, it all paid off. Yeah, exactly. I recommend. <laughs> and, and fun fact, correct me if I'm wrong, the, of all those Inish dot dot dots, Inish Sharon is the only one that doesn't actually exist? That's true. So, it, so it, it, I had the title Banshees of Inish Sheer uh, for maybe 20 years. I kind of wanted to round off this, this um, trilogy of a story set on each of the Aran Islands. And I had one set on Inishmore, one set on Inishman, as you know. Um, uh, the, the play that I wrote with that title didn't work. And then eight years ago, I, I tried something again, which was close, a little closer to this, that also didn't work. Um, uh, and then I think even when I wrote, rewrote it three years ago, which is the, this version, it was still called in a sheer, I think, but I went just on my own after the script had finished and looked around in a sheer, and it's a beautiful place, but it was a little too small. There wasn't enough cinematically, I think, you could do there. Um, so I kind of then, three years ago, got the idea that it had to be sort of a, a slightly more made-up place, using a different couple of different, like, whichever locations we found, they had to be different ones, and then we found. The, most of the good places were on Ishmore, Ishmore, the biggest of the Aran Islands. And I hadn't really discovered Akil Island, which is up the coast, closer to where my mum's from. And that was the place with uh, Brendan's house. I don't know, if, have most of, you, most of you seen the film? Or? <laughs> so the house where Brendan Gleeson lives on that kind of horseshoe bay is Akil Island. And the lake is Akil and the pub 
the pub road is is, is Ackill too. Um, everything else pretty much is uh, is Inishmore. One thing I was interested to learn prepping for we recently you were nice enough to come to our writer roundtable for the Hollywood Reporter and there it was you and Tony Kushner who both two of our great playwrights two of our great screenwriters but very different paths and in fact you while you became known first I think for your work in the theater apparently would have chosen to be a film writer before a playwright. Is that oh, fair God. to say? Yeah, God, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, yeah, even as like a 12, 13-year-old, I think that's when we got our first video recorder and I kind of just watched thousands and thousands of films and, and fell in love with movies then. Um, but I, I, the only plays I'd ever go to was were when movie stars were in them. So I saw like Al Pacino in American Buffalo as a 14-year-old uh, and Martin Sheen when he used to come to London. Um, so, so I never really had a fondness for theatre. Partly because a lot of, apart from those plays, which are pretty kind of exciting uh, and cool, a lot of the plays I, I started seeing in my late teens and 20s were kind of dull. Um, you got to remember it's England. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's no one from England here, is there? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but, but uh, so, so I was kind of, but I, 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 I was right, I had been writing for like 10 years and the films I was writing were terrible and blah, blah, blah. Radio plays were getting a little bit better. But when I kind of turned the page on like how to be a writer, plays were the next thing up. And I think I'd learned enough in those 10 years to, to have some kind of founding in dialogue and character and story, and then to transpose those tools to an art form which I didn't like, which was theatre, <laughs> um, something kind of clicked. And I think I, I tried to make plays as cinematic as possible and almost the opposite of the things I was seeing. Um, and somehow, I was sort of 24, 25 when this happened, and everything kind of fell into place at that, that time. Um, and then when you wanted to come, having established yourself as a man of the theater, to come back to film, was that, you know, quote of yours, one of the fears I had being a playwright was to make a playwright's film, close quote. Does that describe what you mean by that? Um, I guess the fear was to, to make something that was just wordy and, you know, set in inside in a couple of rooms and wasn't cinematic, you know, just, just talking heads. Um, I'm trying to think of the worst examples of playwrights making films now. <laughs> and I choose not to be bitchy. <laughs> um, but, but, so, but, but, yeah, but I, I definitely didn't want to, I, I wanted my first thing be it short or be it a feature to be as cinematic as possible, which is probably why I chucked so much stuff into the short. Like, this is Six Shooter that you won the Oscar for, yeah. Yeah, so there's like, it's 27 minutes and there's, I think, probably five people die. There's a shootout. <laughs> there's, a, uh, there's, there's, there's a rabbit that doesn't really make it at the end. Um, there's, there's a lot of crazy, uh, crazy shit, and it's all on a train. Too, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I don't recommend as a first-time filmmaker. <laughs> Um, but so, with Brendan Gleeson. With Brendan Gleeson, yeah. Um, how did you guys, because I'll obviously ask you this about Colin too, but how do you connect with Brendan for the first time? Um, 
I think he, he, well, I know, weirdly, uh, his brother works, is, is a carpenter and he works on um, uh, theatre sets. So he had built, so I met his brother through building the sets in Galway for, for my first plays. Um, I don't know if it was through that or not, but Brendan came to see the, a trilogy of plays uh, in Galway uh, when I was around like 24, 25. So, so I'd met him there and um, I guess, I don't even think, no, we stayed in touch, but I was a big fan. Like he was like already 25, 30 years ago, the best in Ireland as, as he still is. Um, and so he was kind of godlike in a way. So, so I think I was speaking to the producer of the, uh, who was going to do the short with me, and he said, you know, who's your dream person to send it to? I said, well, Brendan Gleeson. And, uh, and it's funny, you, you wouldn't usually think of sending a short to someone of that stature, but you hope, uh, I, I guess the connection, him having seen the plays, I thought, okay, we'll, we'll give it a go. And uh, he said yes, sort of straight away. So it kind of worked out perfectly. Well, and that was the beginning of working on film with great actors like Todd, who we just spoke with, you have listed how many, seven actors for work in your films have received Oscar nominations. Francis McDormand, Woody Harrelson, and Sam Rockwell for Three Billboards, and Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, Barry Keoghan, and Carrie Condon for Banshees. Cool. So that is quite a, quite a stat. And How many did Todd get? Todd had... <laughs> I'll let I'm, you guys... I think I'm being, yeah. like, beaten top by one there. But hey, who's counting? Yeah. Uh, but tell me, like, in your... In your oh, no, he's going to come out later. We've got to do this. Oh, it. shit. Let's call it a draw. Yeah. So I imagine that a big part of that, it certainly helps to have great writing if you're an actor, but, uh, you know, to be working from that. But can you pinpoint maybe from the theater or or anywhere else where you've figured out how to kind of work so effectively with actors. I think one of the things you always fight for is rehearsal, right? Even on films, which doesn't happen often. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I, I wonder, I listened to Todd's answer about that, and, and um, I, I guess for me it was, I'd never directed any of my plays before, but I was always in the rehearsal room from, from day one with all of them, and would always be talking to the actors, uh, because I worked with a lot of good directors for stage and the good ones aren't um, worried about that connection I think the bad ones can be insecure about it but the good ones will let you um, chat to the actors as much as you want and through that process of 10 years of talking to actors I, I think I had learned a lot that I didn't even know uh, uh, didn't know I'd, I'd learned when it came to the first day of, of shooting these films um, because I, I, I realize I know about character, but I love actors and trying to solve issues between us is, is sort of in answer to the question you had for Todd is what, what is a director? I think that's it, is, is the, the, the friendship or the, or the connection between a director and an actor and trying to solve everything together, I think is, is the most important thing in a movie. Um, but it was, a, it was a tool I didn't know I really had. It didn't really come, I was too nervous, I think, on the short, but on, the, on Bruges, when we had the three weeks of rehearsal, it was the first time I kind of realized I did have more information than I, than I knew I had. I did like actors and I could explain why every line was there or what I thought um, their reasonings behind each, 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 
you know, impulse that they had was. So, so that was a good thing to, to learn. I think I've carried that through all the films more than anything else. And we'll note, so Brennan was with you on the short uh, Six Shooter. Then both Brennan and Colin were with you on your first feature in Bruges, 2008. Great film. Colin was with you on your 2012 feature, Seven Psychopaths. And then, of course, you've reunited the two of them for Banshees. And I guess I just wonder, we've talked a little bit about Brendan, but I guess part A, how did Colin enter the picture? And then part B, can you pinpoint what makes them so good, not just separately, because they obviously are, but especially when you've put them together? Um, Well, I think, uh, I guess I'd sent Bruges... Obviously, to Brendan, and that was like, I think that happened really quickly because we'd made the short and uh, all gone well. And I, but I, I think Colin, I, I think I met one or two actors uh, for that um, because originally it was sort of written for two uh, English guys, two London guys, strangely. Um, but so I was meeting some English actors and some Irish ones, but I just sort of fell in love with Colin as soon as I met him. I was a fan of what he'd done, but I also kind of thought there was something untapped maybe about uh, him in terms of, you know, he, he'd, he'd, he'd gone through a lot of kind of the leading roles and he was great at that, but I kind of wondered about, you know, the, the more... Uh, secondary characters, the, the the more sensitive, the more broken uh, type of characters. I, I kind of felt like it was something that was unex- unexplored, maybe. So, um, uh, so yeah, we, we we talked, and you know, I loved them as soon as I met him, and then I kind of knew that Brendan loved Colin, and Colin loved Brendan anyway. So, uh, um, so, so it was almost a, a no-brainer to, to get them together. And then we had like three weeks of re- rehearsals, and it was just like literally the three of us like on couches like this, um, and just just having cups of tea and just talking through the script. And I was kind of terrified, you know, because I hadn't talked, the, I hadn't worked with two actors of that kind of magnitude before. But I think everyone was, you know. I think Colin hadn't been in a rehearsal process before like that, necessarily. And as he has acknowledged, he was coming out of a pretty bleak period, personally, professionally. This was a new lease on life, potentially. Yeah, I think it was his sort of first or second one, you know, after all, all of that stuff. So, so, so that's probably another, um, for him, scary part of the process. But it was probably the perfect way to, to change things up having someone as brilliant and supportive as Brendan and someone who's trying to discover things on, on, on his own like me. Um, but, um, yeah, from, like, so we rehearsed in Bruges itself and I remember, like, at the end of some days we'd get bored and walk, walk outside and Bruges is so small, you would literally walk to the places where you were going to be filming in two weeks' time. And at one point, we sat on a bench where I'd set the scene, and they just quietly started reciting the lines. And I was like, ooh, this is kind of good. This is, uh, we should have a camera here. Um, and literally from, from, from day one, it was, that part of it was seamless and easy and, and a joy. You know, there wasn't even too much. I'm not the kind of director who you know, has to come up with a bunch of motivations or, or, or I can't, can't, couldn't really coax a performance that isn't there. For me, it's sort of getting out of the way of the actors and the script and sort of allowing 
that truth to unfold. And so 14 years later, you get them back together for Banshees, although you had sent, shown them each, I guess, a version of the script that you referred to a little bit uh, a few years earlier. And um, I wonder, obviously, these are very different characters and they played in, in Bruges, but... Do you think, I mean, one thing that occurred to me watching everybody saying when, please don't wait 14 years before you put them together again. But I wonder, would you ever, have you ever discussed potentially a theatrical collaboration with them? I've sort of tried in the past to sort of put it out there. They've sort of refused point blank. <laughs> um, so that's that. That's that, yeah. Well, no, I, I think they would be great together on stage. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, I know, it's, it's kind of hard these days to get film actors to do theatre. Um, Beyond the limited, limited engagements, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it's tricky. And, no, I think, I think we'll do another film together. I think that's the best nice. way to... Nice, great. <laughs> Carrie Condon, who plays Colin's character sister in Banshees, is somebody I think you might go back further than any of them with, right? Yeah, yeah, even further. I first mm, worked with Kerry when she was like 18 in like 21 years ago. She did the original Lieutenant of Inish Moore um, in the RSC and, and in, in London. Uh, and she came, came to Off-Broadway as well. Um, and she was like just dynamite in that. Um, she, she had long hair to begin with and we <laughs> cut all that off. Uh, well, the character had, you know, very short hair, so you have to do that sort of thing. Um, uh, so she's this kind of punky, kind of uh, uh, raging young woman with a with a air rifle, um, and uh, and just blew everyone away. And we remained friends ever since then. She did two other plays of mine in the intervening years. Um, but I always kind of wanted to write something for her. And she pops up in Three Billboards. She's got a, she, yeah, she's the girl in the office who uh, gets uh, sort of punched uh, a bit. But yeah, she was, she was brilliant in that too. She's got a great scene with Caleb Lange Jones in there. And, um, but yeah, I, I really wanted to create something for her that allowed her to show, you know, exactly how, what, what a master she is. And um, it's great when you do that and they just take it to a whole nother place. Yeah. She's amazing. It's awesome. <laughs> Banshees is, among a lot of things, I think it's fair to say, um, partly about the things that one feels one should or needs to give up in order to create lasting art. Right. And the price one pays for doing so. Talk about the degree to which those are things that you have thought about in your own life. Um, I think last night when you were introducing or presenting to Colin and Brendan, you made a little reference to the state of mind you were in when you picked up Banshees again uh, to turn it into the version that we've seen. But just the price one pays to focus on art, the balancing act. Um, well, I, I don't think I've had a terrible time of it really but um i guess the years before the first play was on you really had to sort of knuckle down and and there was an awful lot of rejection at that stage which you, i guess you have to have some kind of an arrogance to to get through it um or force of will or whatever it is determination um but i think that's a, probably a different thing to to the themes in, in the movie i'm not really I don't really um, 
think that a, a, a writer or a musician even has to, even if they're, they're creating darker things, I don't think they have to dwell in that. I don't think art has to come from pain. I think a lot of the artists I like have come from those places. But personally, it's, 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 it's <laughs> I prefer an easy life. Yeah, right. I think, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think we've all been through painful things and, and, and tragic things and, um, you know, despairing moments. And to, to be able to tap into that is really, really important and to tap into that truthfully. But I don't think you have to stay in that place. Hopefully you can, you can, you know, not be shy of it and be truthful about it, but n not have to dwell there. So the whole debate in the film about, you know, Brendan's character, uh, you know, needing space and all that. You do need space, of course, but you don't have to go about it in that way. I'm, I'm on team uh, <laughs> Colin Farrell <laughs> for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fact that you chose... But then he's a little bit boring. And what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> The fact that you chose to set Banshees in 1923— Not Colin Farrell, by the way, <laughs> the character. Not a boring guy. The fact that you chose to set the film in 1923 certainly didn't make your life any easier in terms of finding locations and sets and period clothing and all that. So I assume it was pretty important to you, if you the fact that you went forward doing that. Can you give us any insight into why—I mean, we— we do know that at that time the Irish Civil War is raging on the mainland. Is that something that was important for you to, that we be thinking about when they're having their own civil war on that island? Um, yeah, very much. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah, okay. you answered that one for me. Scott. Sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's to put up. You know, it's it's one civil war with the backdrop of another civil war um, uh, in its simplest terms. Um, but but uh, but weirdly, like setting something in. in in a definite period like that was was part of it and and finding locations that um hadn't changed for a hundred years was part of it too you know i'd never never made a period picture before and uh uh it, it seemed like it's more trouble than it's worth but it actually wasn't like seeing the the actors come on you like you literally see the characters appear off off stage, and because of the costumes for some reason, um, and I was very fond of that. But um, but no, it's it's yeah, it's it's all about war, I guess, the whole story and and uh, stupidity of that. Yeah. One last question before we uh, go on to the next chapter of all this. Take me into nomination morning of this year. Uh, a lot of people, I guess it's fashionable to kind of poo-poo it, but I think it's got to be pretty exciting that not I only... That. I right? think it's fantastic, yeah. <laughs> First directing nomination. Yeah, thanks. For all four of your principal actors nominated. With the help of Paul Mescal, that makes it a full one quarter of all 20 acting nominees are Irish. Yep. Um, and best picture. I mean, just uh, it's a cool moment, right? It's a, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And I know Paul from before. He was in one of my plays a few years ago. Really? So I love Paul. Uh, so it's great like, to have your mates. That's the best thing about this whole experience this year is like you're going to all these events like last night and, and, and you know, all of the, the, the governors and the, and the Oscar luncheon and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And you're just there with your mates. It's just so sweet. 
And they're all, you know, they're all nice, they're all fun. And I'm friends with the editor and the composer, Carter Burwell and Mikkel Nielsen. And they're there too. It's just like, it's just crazy, but fun. Nice. Well, given how busy things have been lately and for a few more weeks, thank you very much for making the time to come to Santa Barbara. Thanks, Scott. Really Thanks. Thanks, it. everyone. Thanks for listening to Awards Chatter. We really appreciate it and would really appreciate you taking just a minute more to subscribe to the podcast and to leave us a rating and review on your podcast app. And to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, where our handle is at Awards Chatter. On those platforms, we announce upcoming guests and provide details about special live recordings of the podcast that you can attend. Until next time, thanks again for tuning in. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.